Lord, we just thank you so much because you are great, Father. We just thank you so much, Father. Father, we can just come to you, Father, with open arms, Father, just surrendering everything to you, Lord. Just sing this next song, Father. Let us be reminded of the sacrifice you made for us, Father. Lord, we pray for this one. Praise the name of the Lord our God.
sing this last song, Father. Psalm 23, Lord, just let us be reminded, Lord, that you walk alongside us, beside the still waters, Father. Father, you watch us and protect us, Father. Father, we fear no evil because you are with us, Father. Father, we just praise this world.
one will be in Psalm 23 as Pastor Mike brings a message. Just an awesome reminder of the goodness of God, the peace, the strength, the comfort we have in our great shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us throughout our days. Let's sing that chorus one more time. Surely goodness. And surely goodness and surely mercy right beside me all my days and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name we just bless your name this morning Lord just open up our hearts and minds for this morning's message, be with Pastor Mike as he just delivers, Father, your word. Father, let it penetrate our hearts. That we love you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to shake someone's hand this morning. All right, hey, good morning. I'm so excited for you folks. I know that God is going to meet us today. So I want to welcome you to Grace Calvary Chapel, right? And by any chance, if you're new, right, to the fellowship, there's this little card. It's located in the seat in front of you or the pouch in front of you. If you would fill this out and put it into the agape box, that's the box right there. Incidentally, there's um, a praise for prayer. So if you need prayer, you know somebody that needs prayer, right? You know, we need to pray for our country, right? So put that on here and we'll pray for it, right? There's a box in front and one in the back. Those are also there for your tithes and offerings. So if you have money or you have a check, you can put it in there. But if you want to give online, you can do that. Or you can even text on your phone. I've not done that yet, but maybe one day. Okay, folks, let's go on to the announcements. 
School of Ministry, the enrollment is now open. So some of you I know have taken the first class. Now there's a second one. And uh, if you're interested, there's more information right outside these doors. Okay, Children's Ministry uh, is in need of teachers and for the following classes, okay? In the morning, that's our first service, there's an opening for uh, first through fifth grade teacher and also for the two and three-year-olds, right? And the class has, has, contains the four, um, four-year-olds in kinder, right? And the second service, which is right now, right, uh, we have an opening for the two and three-year-olds, uh, the fourth and kinder, and, and that's it. Now, if you're interested, you can contact Evie Goodman, uh, and she's right outside, or maybe she's in here. No, she's outside. And uh, there's also a table there or the information booth. You can get more information there. Uh, you know, when I first started this fellowship, that's where I got my feet wet, in the children's ministry. And I'll tell you what, you talk about blessing, and you guys are seeking God's blessing. The Bible says that we need to serve. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So that's a little something for you, right? Dwell on that or meditate on that. Okay, folks? Uh, children's ministry meeting, January the 27th. That's going to be after second service. Now, if you're interested in, in joining the children's ministry, you can come that day also and find out more information, okay? Okay, Wednesday night studies. The women are studying a book called Pleasing God by Kay Smith. And the men are doing A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And that one's by W. Philip Keller. And, you know, everybody's welcome to attend. Okay, but if you're a woman, you've got to attend the woman's, right? And if you're a man, you attend the man's, okay? So just keep that in mind. All right, folks, I urge you to prepare your hearts and minds to what you're going to receive today. Here's Pastor Mike comes up. All righty. Thank you, folks. God bless you. Good morning. How y'all doing? Want to apologize for we had a little bit of hiccup trying to get your kids checked in this morning. We lost Wi-Fi right at almost 11 o'clock. So if you were waiting for us to try to get back online, I want to apologize for that. And also, Rick didn't mention Grace Groups start up next week. So at 10 o'clock, the Grace Groups will be going on. If you want to join, Rick is going to be teaching Not a Fan by Kyle Eidemann. And Joel has one on, uh, if you got kids, there you go. It's, it's for children's ministry, but if you got kids and you need help, go to his class. You know, or if you just want some new techniques, you know, to deal with kids. I, I'm learning I need new techniques with my grandkids. My, I, I, before Christ, I just pulled the spoon out and... You know, now it's time out and stuff like that. So uh, I'm learning as a grandfather to be a better and be a, be a little more patient and, uh, and deal with that. But uh, let's go ahead and, and, and pull up Psalm 23 if you have your Bible uh, on a tablet or, or, or a phone. You can go ahead and turn it on and get it to Psalm 23. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Psalm 23. And then I'm going to ask you all to stand and we're going to read this together out loud. So if you go, wait a minute, I don't have a Bible, Mike. It's on, the words are on the screen. Okay? Let's go ahead and start. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before, uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for today. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for uh, this psalm that, that David wrote, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit inspired. Uh, we thank you, Father God, that, uh, that we can come before you. And uh, there are probably some here today that are in the valley. And it seems very dark and deep. And uh, they need to know and, and be encouraged by your word and by you. And, uh, and I... There's nothing I can say. These are your words, Lord, and I pray that I get out of your way so the Holy Spirit can do what it needs to do here uh, in our hearts, that we would be um, not just hearer of the words, but doers of the word. And, uh, and I pray, uh, Father God, that you would be with the marriages that are represented here, with the families that are represented here, with the people that are represented here, Lord. Even if they don't know you, let them come to know you. Let them have clarity in the middle of the storm right now uh, and, and just hear from you. And so we, we thank you so much. I lift up Joe and Sheila to you and uh, pray that they get their time of rest and uh, that they would have uh, a word from you as they prepare for the marriage conference uh, for that teaching, Lord, and uh, just pray for them as well. I thank you so much, and we just ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Surely goodness, surely mercy, right? It's a beautiful song. I asked Joel, you know, I got two of my favorites this week, which was awesome. The Great I Am, and then surely, I got surely goodness, surely mercy. Uh, I thought it would be cool to actually be able to sing the song. You know, because one of the things that, uh, that I heard Pastor Greg Laurie speak upon, well, first, let me tell you where Joe's at. Because you're probably going, where's Joe? <laughs> right? Pastor Joe is actually, him and Sheila are celebrating their six-year anniversary. It's hard to believe it's been six years already. Um, it's hard to believe it's been 33 for me and Teresa, but, you know, it goes by so quickly, so you need to make the most of your marriages. I'm telling you, your time being married on this earth is compared to eternity. You won't be married when you go to heaven. And so uh, some of you hopefully will not say hallelujah as we say that, but they are, um, they are enjoying and getting some rest. But they're also preparing a message that they're going to be sharing at the Calvary Chapel Marriage Conference in, uh, in South Austin. Um, and, and it's going to be on money, which divides a lot of, a lot of marriages. And so they, they took some time to go have some time with the Lord, but at the same time prepare the study and spend some time alone. So uh, this week has been a crazy week. We've, we've been blessed with new speakers, but at the same time we had somebody try to break into the Joe's office and broke the window. That's why the dove's not on there anymore. That happened, I think, when was it? Thursday? Wednesday, Thursday. Somebody, boom. And so uh, those things happen. Um, but let's get to the word. The reason why I wanted to do that psalm and that song is, is, is 
for the purpose of something that Greg Glory said. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all follow Harvest, uh, uh, Harvest uh, Orange County. Greg Glory's been doing a series on um, the Jesus Revolution and when the hippies came to know Christ. Uh, and that, that movement happened in the late 70s and early, se- uh, the, late, the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, Pastor Chuck Smith and them and the Calvary Chapel movement came out of that. Uh, one of the things that he said, the difference that he sees between the church today and the church back in the 70s, the early 70s, is he goes, when, when we came to church, we came to worship. We came to sing. We weren't singing to, like, when you get, when y'all sing, you're not singing to Joel. You're singing unto the Lord. And I thought about that when Greg Laurie said that. I was like, I don't know what it is about the men, and I'm going to kind of hit the men a little bit. Y'all going to get hit a couple times here, because um, y'all can take it. Y'all are shepherds. Uh, but the men, we get them out to the men's retreat. Man, they sing. Albert's got a beautiful voice. They sing. They get back here, crickets. <laughs> they're like, sure, mercy. And it's like, but that's it. But you got to understand that you're singing unto God. Right? And then the other thing he said, when we came to church, we came prepared to hear from the Lord, not Pastor Chuck. We came to hear from God. And we knew that the Holy Spirit, there was going to be a movement from God every time we came to church on Sunday. We were excited about it. And he said, that's the thing I don't see right now in the churches in America. That's the struggle that's happening. And so as we look at this verse, I was talking to Pastor Joe about this verse this week, and he said, you know what, Mike? He goes, Psalm 23 is for the living. When do you normally hear Psalm 23? At funerals? And when somebody's sick in the hospital? In the valley of the shadow of death, right? I will feel, feel no evil. And, and that's the same thing when we, before Christ. I knew that verse before Christ. But, but this verse is for the living. And this verse, I'm telling you, if you read this verse in the morning and in the evening, this thing will change your life, man. I'm telling you that because it it is a powerful six verses in the Bible. Because you're all going to go in the valley. I would love to tell you that you're not, but you're going to go in the valley. You don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop experience. You have to go in the valley to get to the other mountain. And we're going to look at this in four parts. Psalm 23, the title of this sermon is, Is the Lord my shepherd? Is the Lord my shepherd? Sufficiency in the pasture, uh, verses 1 through 3. Tranquility in the valley, verse uh, 4. Certainty in the fold, verse 5. Eternity in the Father's house, verse 6. So Pastor Joe asked you last week, who's on the throne of your heart? I'm asking you the same question in a different way. Is the Lord your shepherd? Because if the Lord is not your shepherd, something else is. Something else is. Could be money. Could be a relationship. Could be your job. Could be an addiction. 
And this psalm is written by David who was a shepherd. There was a lot of men in the Bible that were great shepherds. They went on to go do mighty things for the Lord. Moses spent 40 years doing that. And we know this is written by David, the shepherd king. And it's probably, like I said, one of the most popular verses uh, that, that, that is known or that is preached. But it's not one that's lived in the church today. I think we tend to gloss over these verses that we're familiar with. And we go, you know what, Lord, I got that already. Let's move to the next thing. Or you'll get to your Bible reading and you go, all right, six verses today. I'm done. Right? That's not how it should be. And so when we look at it in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is, not was, not sometimes. The Lord is all the time your shepherd. If you belong to him. If you made the choice to follow him. And I love what David uses there. He says, is my my, he's asking you. And so when I ask you the question, is the Lord my shepherd? I'm asking you, is he personally your shepherd? Because to David, it was personal. And that's what Jesus Christ wants from us is a personal relationship. And so when I was putting the study together, the first thing I had to ask myself, okay, the first question, okay, who's God? Can I trust him to be my shepherd? By what authority is he qualified to be called my shepherd? See, when I found out, is when I started looking at the attributes of God, I found out that my Lord is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. God is an eternal spirit who is absolute perfection. He is the only God that has, that has existed and the only one that will ever exist. He is also personally involved in the affairs of the universe. He is not the same as the creation, but he is Lord over it. And he's knowable and he wants a personal relationship with you. And he sent his son Jesus Christ for you. In John chapter 10 verse 11 it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus died on the cross for you. For you. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The God of peace is the one who sent Jesus Christ. He sent his son. And we see in the New Testament time and time again that Pastor Joe's going over is the I am statements. We see that Jesus says before Abraham was born, I am. In John chapter 8 verse 58. We also see that, it's, that, that seven times he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. So Jesus says immediately to us that, look, by referring to myself as I am, I'm telling you that I 
have the nature, the same name and nature as God, which is a powerful evidence to show his divine character. And so we can trust Jesus and God to be our good shepherd, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But let me give you three things. That, you know, we're doing a book, and the guys are going to be going over this in the Wednesday study, and they'll start diving into some of these things about sheep. The book that we're doing is actually by W. Philip Keller. And it's a, a shepherd's story of Psalm 23. It's actually a pastor who bought sheep. Not a congregation who bought sheep. Real sheep. And it's the things that he learned that he didn't get. That he started was able to start using for the congregation. It, it made him understand things a little bit better. And, and one of the things is, is that sheep are not bright. They're, they're dumb animals. Now, I'm not calling you dumb, but I'm going to call myself dumb. Okay? I'll tell you I'm dumb. I'm from some deep parts in the south, and my education's not that great. Okay? But when it comes to being a sheep, I, I, you know, I shared this a long time ago. They had this story where... Uh, these, these, because sheep follow each other and they get scared and one runs, the other run. And this one sheep got scared and he ran, he ran himself off a cliff. And he, he died. And guess what? 800 sheep followed him. And I started thinking, but see, this is how dumb I am. I started thinking, I wonder if like by, by 800, 900, did they start cushioning each other? <laughs> you know, but they, they hit the ground and they died. They, they, they and, and I'll, I'll say this. The other thing is, is sheep don't have good eyesight, nor do they hear well. Right? Just like me. Right? So, I'm telling you this. I was, I was listening to Shirley Goodness. I was singing it in the car. I was worshiping the Lord on my way to the doctor. And somebody cut me off. And Shirley Goodness turned into sinful Michael. I got mad. And just that quick, me being the dumb sheep and, and the dirty sheep. The dirty sheep as well. Because that's the other quality that sheep are. Because see, that sinful nature was right there. It, it didn't get to go anywhere. And so sheep, sheep also have this knack of getting dirty. They actually uh, excrete an oil out of their skin for the wool. And wherever they lay down, they, I mean, I'm sure there are probably some in here that say that would be cool because then you could clean up areas real quick. But wherever they lay down, it's like Velcro. And so if they, if they lay down in the grass, they get grass all on them. If they lay down in the dirt, they get dirt all over them. And I started thinking to myself, you know what, Mike? You, you, you're doing the same thing. It's like your sinful nature is right there. And in that moment, I had to go, man, Lord, I went from, from worshiping that quick to having sin show up. The Holy Spirit, hey. Sorry, Lord. Just that quick. And, and so when I, when I read the, the, the book of Romans, it, it just reminds me of how I am. And, and the Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7, verses 19 and 20. And tell me if this doesn't sound like you as well. For I do not do the good I want, 
But the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Does anybody else feel like that? Well, let's be honest with ourselves here, okay? There are times when you respond to somebody or you do something or you have a thought and you go, man, I thought I was following you, Lord. Where did that come from? It says, now if I do not do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Then he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need Jesus. You know, and, and we struggle with sin, and we'll struggle with sin till the day we go home to be with God. It's something that each of us have. We have a sin nature. You, you, any of you who have kids or grandkids, you know that they're a two-year-old, and they hide something, and you ask them, did you just do that? And they're like, no. They weren't taught. They just do it. Same way we do. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Lord, if you're my shepherd, you knew my sins before I was even born. Because you died for my, my, my future sins. You died 2,000 years ago. You knew I was going to be on the, in the car on 410 and go, hey, wait, come here, guys, watch. There goes Mike again. <laughs> right? Dumb sheep. But I love them. But I love them. And so look, you have to understand, past, present, future, sin paid for. We abide in Christ. I'm not saying that that gives you the, the, the hey, let's go sin. Because we can't. Because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. Who, how can we live, live in it longer? And so we know that we have in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that verse is saying look. It doesn't say that, that you're not going to make mistakes. That you're not going to fail. That you're not going to sin. We all do. And we have examples of that in the Bible. Abraham lied about his wife. Not just once. And then what's crazy is his son did it too. Just saying. And then, and David committed adultery. Supposed to be at war. And then he falls. Peter tried to kill a man with a sword. But see, they suffered the consequences because of their sins. But they did not suffer the condemnation. So when we sin... This is very important that you get. That doesn't mean that when you confess your sin, the thing that you reaped into, the, the reaping and sowing, that you're not going to go through that. Like, if you've, if you've sown into messing your marriage up, and you've sinned within your marriage, it's going to take time for God to repair that marriage. That's, that's going to take time. Just because you're forgiven doesn't mean, that, okay, start fresh. Hit the reboot. Let's try again. That's not how that works. You know, it's, it's, it's understanding that, that we're going to fall. We're going to fail. We go to Christ. He forgives us of our sins. 
And, and what we're doing is we're trying to sin less because we understand what the cost of the sin was. And so why would anyone who loves Christ, why wouldn't they live, why would they live for the very sins that cost Jesus' life? Why would you want to do that? How could any follower of Christ see glory in what God detests? And so if you're here today and you're struggling with that, maybe there's an area going on in your life and Jesus is not your shepherd. Maybe he's a shepherd in this area but not this area. You need to deal with that. You need to deal with that. We need to abide in Christ. And, and 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. So again, we go to our shepherd to be cleansed. We go to our shepherd. And, and then the last out of the three, they're dumb, they're dirty, they're defenseless. Sheep are defenseless. They have to depend on their shepherd for their defense. There have been known instances where ravens have swooped down on flocks of sheep and picked their eyes out. Think about it. We talked about sheep being dirty. Can, what does a cat, what do you see a cat do all the time? Lick itself, right? They can clean themselves. Sheep can't do that. Right? What is a sheep going to do? Bark? They don't even have pointy teeth. They can't bite. And so they're, they're dependent on the shepherd throughout the process. They have to remain with the herd. And that's true with us. One of the things that I, what, what scares me the most is when someone walks away from God. They walk away from his word and they start to isolate themselves. They get away from the flock. Who's the flock? Look around you. You're the flock. The person to the left and right of you, you're the flock. I'm the flock. And so when we isolate ourselves away from the shepherd, that's when we're the weakest. And that's when the enemy goes after you. And he's going in to do what? Three things. Steal, kill, destroy. And, and if we're sheep, how are you going to defend yourself? You need the shepherd. And John 10 verse 7 and 10 says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, all who have ever before come came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So all three things, defenseless, dirty, and dumb... We need to follow the shepherd. They all point to the shepherd, not the sheep. We need to cling to the shepherd. It says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 15 says, And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came. And he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. So basically what he's saying is, you came into this world with nothing, you will leave this world with nothing. And one of the wealthiest, wealthiest men in history, John D. Rockefeller, was uh, his accountant. When John D. Rockefeller died, his accountant was asked, Hey, 
uh, how much did, uh, did John D. leave? And the accountant looked at him. He said, all of it. The houses, the cars, the money, all of it. You ain't taking it with you. And any of you who have kids or grandkids that, I, I can tell you, you know, Joseph and Sophia, they're almost three. And you take them down a toy aisle and they want. That, that's natural. And, and if I ask you, you want to. Right? So we need, to, we need to remember, we need to have a light touch on the things of this world. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So what, what do the sheep primarily need? They need food, grass, and rest. And that shepherd leads them to those things and takes care of that, those things for him. So the necessities of life is what Jesus takes care of. I'm not teaching you no prosperity thing, okay? That's not it. The necessities of life. When your heart aligns with God's heart, God don't need a new Lexus. Okay? We need to make sure we understand that, that, that I shall not want, and we need to understand that the necessities of life is what he provides. In verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And, you know, one of the things I think is, is that I see, uh, and, I, and in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it says, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And I think about this. When, when I read this verse, when he lies me beside still waters, or he, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it's like what you have to understand is that there are going to be times when God needs to make you rest. Make you rest. And I, I know in America... We're not wired that way. And I can tell you, I, I know this firsthand because I'm sitting there studying for this verse this week and I was at CVS and there was this lady that was stressed out beyond stress. On the phone, off the phone, phone ring, back on the phone, put my phone number in so I can get my discount. Uh, you got my, did you get this? Did you get that? Okay. She pays with her card, and she walks right out. Not one bag in her hand. That's how, that's how busy she is. Do you think that lady needs rest? How many of y'all are like that right now? You're only going to find that rest in Christ. And let me tell you, some of the things that you think are important, they're not. They're not. And so, y'all, you know, when we read verse Mark chapter 6, verse 31, you know what Jesus was doing? He was telling the disciples. They had just got back from going out and ministering. And Jesus tells them, you know what? You're going to go rest. You can imagine these guys were excited and they're probably ready to keep doing. And Jesus says, nope, you're going to go rest. You need to rest. You just poured out. You need to get filled back up. And so there's going to be times when you go through seasons where you may be 
in one ministry and then you get a season of rest and on to the next one. But I, I pray that, you know, at the end of the day that you can find rest in Christ. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for, for his name's sake. So actually when he restores, he leads, he's actually driving the sheep and he's, he's actually, the sheep don't get driven, but for, it's weird because when I started studying this, for some reason Australia and New Zealand do it backwards. They actually herd the sheep like cow and they actually drive the sheep. But in Israel, the shepherd always goes before the sheep which is what Jesus does. And so he gently, gently uh, moves the sheep by his voice. And so when they would have these watering holes, what would happen is all these shepherds would have their sheep together. And this still happens today because there's not much water in Israel. So they still have these wells and stuff where they, where they, they get the, the sheep water and stuff. And you know, all the sheep are mixed together. And you know how the shepherd gets his sheep? He doesn't start yanking them out of there. He just uses his voice. And the sheep follow. And that's how we should be. And we need to understand that, that uh, in John chapter 10 verse 4, it says, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. So this is Jesus. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Do you know God's voice today? Are you in his word? Spending time in prayer with him? Because what happens is when you don't, you begin to go astray. You start finding your own path to go down. And the beauty of that is even then, the Lord still goes after the one out of the 99. He rejoices in that. In Luke chapter uh, 15, uh, verse 6, it says, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just as I tell you, there will be many more, uh, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so what is the verse that you're supposed to remember for next week? Y'all get scared, right? Because I don't even know you had homework, right? Pastor Joe told you you had homework. What do you tell you? Daniel what? Chapter 12, verse 3. If you got a pen, you need to write that down. If you got a phone, you need to put that in. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. That's the church's vision for the, for the year that Pastor Joe was given. What does Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 says? It says, in those... Who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So what are we supposed to do? I can give it to you real quick. Alright, so you got it memorized. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3. Shine like the what? Sun, S-O-N. And turn many to what? Righteousness. And then tell Joe I got my five. What is the five? Somebody's got to give me that, right? Come on. What were you supposed to do? Write down what? Five people. Have you written down the five people? You got till next week. When Joe comes back on Sunday, he's going to be asking. And I, I'm, hey, I, I did my thing. I told you, right? 
So be careful. Don't allow, uh, don't allow yourself to fall astray. Stay in his word. And, and as we go into verse 4, we have tranquility in the valley. And tranquility is actually peace or serenity or calm. So as we read that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You just hear that song that Joel sung just right there. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so, in some of the Hebrew translations, or the commentary, when they talk about death, they talk about physical death as well, but they talk about deepest, darkest valley. The deepest, darkest valley. And that can represent any of the experiences of life that cause us to fear. Death of a loved one. Cancer. Or an illness. Loss of a job. Anything that makes us afraid. And, and we have to experience those things. If you haven't, you will. Maybe a loss of a prodigal son or daughter. They were following and they just drifted away. I'm going to give you a lot of verses right now. Because what you need is when you're in the valley, you need God's word. You need to go to his promises. That's where you need to be. Because the only hope that you'll find is in God's word. Through Christ. And so let's, let's start them off. I'm going to read a bunch of them to you and hopefully you'll get your pens ready. Many of y'all take notes in church. I'm not going to look at you because I don't want to eyeball nobody. But you should. So you can go back over it. You know what? When we start, when we start the summer series, they're going to be going over the teaching from Sunday. And so you better take notes. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isn't that beautiful? Keep, kept in perfect peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. So, and, and this is what your purpose is, the second part of this verse, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You ever, you ever have somebody minister to you and you just go, you went through the same thing I went through. Do you not think that God put that person in place for you? That's all the Lord. You need to start waking up to that. Like that's the Holy Spirit going, I got you. I got you. I'm going to send somebody to you. Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, another verse that we all know, but we don't live. Psalm 56, 3. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. We need to cling to his word in the valley. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
So you draw near to him. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm going to give you all that one again. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to the help in time of need. Somebody needs that today. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in the bosom. And gently lead those that are with the young. And sometimes God will pick you up and have to carry you through the valley. And that's okay. Corey Tim Boom, who is a Holocaust survivor, wrote this. She said, when, you, when the train goes through a tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not. You still, you, you sit still and you trust the engineer to get you through it. So don't jump out. Don't give up in the valley. Just be patient and let God remind you he's still in control. Go back to his attributes. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He stands outside of time. He's there for you. He already knows what's going to happen. He's already planning things that are going to be ahead. He has the whole story. You only have part of it. So trust that. So we go to his word in the valley. We go to his promises in the valley. We seek prayer in the valley. And we stick to the flock in the valley. And we seek godly wisdom and godly counsel. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So don't measure the, the size of the mountain. Talk to the one who can move it. Instead of carrying the world on your shoulders. Talk to the one who holds the universe on his. Faith is trusting what the eye can't see. The eye sees a prowling lion. Faith sees Daniel's angel. I sees a storm. Faith sees Noah's rainbow. Your eyes see your faults. Your faith sees your Savior. Your eyes see your guilt. Your faith sees his blood. Your eyes see your grave. Your faith sees a city whose builder and maker is God. Your eyes look in the mirror and see a sinner, a failure, and a promise breaker. But faith, you look in the mirror and see a robbed prodigal bearing the ring of grace on your finger and the kiss of your father on your face when God whispers your name. Seek God in the valley. Verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so we can find certainty in the valley. One of the things that the shepherd does is actually before the sheep go eat, uh, he actually goes and looks at the area where the sheep are going to eat. He goes ahead. And why? There's 18-inch holes. And in those holes, there are these things called adder snakes. And when the sheep, if the shepherd doesn't do this, the sheep will get bitten on the nose and die. So what the shepherd does is he goes before the sheep and he actually puts oil around the hole. So the oil does a number of things. It actually heals the wounds and it actually, they use it for, the, uh, uh, for a number of different things. But they also use it for the hole because the snake can't come up. It slides down. So w- why is that important? You're probably saying, I don't really, Mike, this ain't National Geographic. 
right? But the reason why, he brings the sheep in. The sheep are eating and 18 inches below the ground are, are the enemy. They don't even know they're in the presence of the enemy eating. And so when you're in the valley and you're struggling and, and God is saying, look, I'm going to prepare a meal for you. And I want you to keep your eyes on me. Right? And, and so, you know, I think one of the things that I always think of is if, if, if God is preparing a meal for me and, and his chair is in front of me and I have a chair, it's me and him. And then the enemy surrounded me and y'all aren't the enemy. But the enemy surrounded me. Right? One of the things that we do in the valley is we allow the enemy a seat at the table. So if I'm sitting down and God has the meal prepared before me, I'm supposed to be keeping my eyes on the, the Lord. But what happens is the enemy is going to try every crack and crevice to get in your head and trip you up. And he wants a seat at that table. And he'll do it. And he'll start getting in your ear. He'll start telling you stuff that's not true. I'll tell you what, I went to the doc this week. And I've been sick since I was 28 years old. I got an autoimmune disease. My legs are going out. And so they cranked up electricity and they... The guy's doing the knob. He did it up here. It burned like crazy. But he did it on my legs, and it just felt like a little. He's like, that don't hurt. And I'm like, stop turning it up, dude. You're sending electricity through my body. But we do. And then the guy tells me, you know what? Um, we think that you got a mutated gene. And I'm like, what am I, X-Man now? <laughs> like, when am I getting my Wolverine? You know, when, you know. But I'm like, add it to the list of stuff. And the enemy wants to come in and tell me, dude, you've been sick since you were 28. Do you think he cares for you? He's supposed to be the ultimate physician. He hadn't even healed you yet. Or he's getting into your marriage. You know what? He don't care about you no more. He's starting to go to the bar again. It's just a matter of time before he's addicted again. You might as well, you might as well leave. If God cared for you, he would have kept him, kept him going. You've been married for 40 years. He took your husband. Look at you. You're by yourself right now with nothing. I thought he was the God of all comfort. Where's your comfort? Well, she done stepped out on you, bro. She's on the phone all day. You know she probably already has somebody else. Look at you. That's the enemy. That's nothing, that's nothing from the Lord. But he's trying to get at your table. And you need to be focused on who? The Lord. And nothing else. Nothing else. And, and don't believe those lies. Because that's what the enemy's trying to do. That's why he says when he anoints your head with oil, my cup overflows. It's like one of the things that happens is we, 
they use the oil because they, they get injuries on their head and, and they have to heal them. And they use the oil to heal, heal the sheep's head. The other thing that happens in the summertime, if they don't put oil in the nose, the sheep actually have flies that go in and leave larvae. And, the, and it drives the sheep insane. And they beat their head against a, 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 a tree or a rock until they kill themselves. And that's what the enemy's wanting. He's trying to get in your head. And God's saying, look, I'm going to anoint your head with oil. Focus on me. Focus on me. Don't focus on the things of this world. And, and, and don't allow the, the wounds that you may have. Let them be healed by the Lord. Don't allow disappointment to become bitterness. And that takes root. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. He, it is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 25 verses 1 and 2 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Go to His word. So you know what, Lord? You told me in Psalm 25 that you aren't going to let my enemies exalt over me. I need you. Pray that. And then finally, we see in verse 6. Surely in goodness and mercy. Surely goodness, goodness and mercy. I'm singing the song. I got stuck in my head. <laughs> shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It doesn't say, again, it's not sometimes you'll... You'll follow me the days of my life. Not, not maybe I'll follow you the days of my life. It says all. All. All the days of his life. And ours. So when we give our lives to Christ, he follows us. And he's wanting us to follow him. That's why it's a personal relationship. And so Davis gives, gives us this promise. And it's a sure foundation. So our moods may shift, but God's doesn't. Our minds may change, but God's doesn't. Our devotion may falter, but God never does. Even when we become faithless, God does it. It tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And this is a beautiful verse, and somebody probably needs to hear this one because I know I did this week. Lamentations, probably a book that y'all... How many of y'all... Don't do that, man. Read the Bible. <laughs> don't skip it. Right? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is there. He never abandons us. And Psalm, as it says, that uh, at the end of that verse, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 12 verse, uh, verse 3 verse 11. Uh, 12, man, I'm messed up here. Ecclesiastes, I'm trying to get all these verses in before we run out of time. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. There we go. I'm getting my mouth working right. He made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. 
yet so that he cannot find out what God has done for the beginning to the end. So we all have that eternal address that's placed on our hearts. And then we see also in, in Revelation uh, verse 7, verse uh, 17, uh, chapter 7, verse 17, it says, For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, uh, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so you have an eternal address, and God never said that the journey would be easy, but I can bet you that the arrival would be worthwhile. It's an eternal focus. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. That's what we're supposed to have here on earth. And then in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of, the, of God is with men. He, is with, he, he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's a beautiful verse. Y'all go ahead and come on up. No worship team, y'all come on. I know everybody's like, yes. We'll read just two, two more scriptures and then we'll, we'll pray. John chapter 10 verse 4, we went over this and it says, And he brings out his own sheep. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. My question is, is do you know his voice? Have you gotten so far away from him that you're not hearing from him anymore? Because what's going to happen in Matthew chapter 25 verse 31, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ... It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Pastor Joe always explains one thing, right? We all have an eternal address, but we're going to spend eternity in different places. If you don't make a choice to follow Jesus Christ while you're here, it's heaven and hell. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to hear, but that's what that verse is saying. He's, he's going to put the sheep, it says, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats will go on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, this is the sheep, come you are, are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so, as we close up in prayer, I just want to give you an opportunity. If there's somebody here, you can go ahead and close your eyes and we'll go ahead and begin to pray. If there is somebody here who has gone astray, or either you've never made a choice to follow Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. We are to shine like the sun and turn many to righteousness. Because there is an eternal address for all of us. And so if you want to receive Jesus Christ into your heart, just raise your hand. Eyes closed. Amen. Amen. If you've gone astray, it's okay. 
just confess. Is there anybody else? Because normally when one person raises, there's somebody else. That knocking on the door of your heart, that's Jesus saying, I want to come in. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to be your shepherd. And it's not about just eternity, knowing that you'll be in heaven. Eternity starts here. Starts here. Is there anybody else? All right, for that, for that one man that raised his hand. It says in, the, in Scripture, it tells us that uh, in Romans chapter 10, because if we confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. Nothing. And so, uh, if you want to repeat after me and just say this prayer. Is there anybody else? I tell you what, just repeat the prayer. You know, I, I, because I'm, I'm more concerned about your eternity. Okay, let's go ahead and repeat this prayer. It says, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. However, I am entrusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as my personal Lord and Savior. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for saving me and forgiving me. Amen. Now, if any of you are in the valley, the pastors will be up here for prayer. And I think what we need to probably do is have maybe some of the pastor's wives up here for, as well, if Andrea and Deb and Teresa, if y'all can come up too. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to sing the song, and if you need prayer, please come up. Uh, if you need to be anointed with oil, please come up. I know we have one person going to surgery tomorrow, or Tuesday, to have hip surgery. It's a major surgery. And so, uh, if you need prayer, if something's going on, please come up and we'll pray with you. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for, uh, man, praise God. Welcome to the family of the Lord. Uh, it, it, what an amazing thing, Lord, to, uh, to know that you forgive us, uh, that we can follow you, that you get us through the darkest, deepest parts of the valley. Uh, surely goodness and mercy uh, all the days of our lives. Man, let us believe that. Let us go to your word, to your promises. I pray for the marriages. If there's anybody here that needs uh, just restoration, Lord, I, I, I just ask that you begin that. Uh, let us be hearer of your words uh, and also doers of your word. Let us apply it in our lives. We thank you for this beautiful psalm that David wrote through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that hopefully it spoke to somebody today. It did me all week. And uh, we thank you. And I, I just ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
Let's all stand. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In green pastures he makes me lie down. He restores my soul and leads me on for his name, for his great name. Surely goodness, surely mercy, right beside me all my days, and I will dwell in your house forever, and bless your holy name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are on my side. Bless you guys. Have a great week.